0: Welcome to Payment Matters. I'm your host, Jeff Lynn. Thanks for tuning in. On this show, we talk about the ever-changing landscape of healthcare payments and the impacts to healthcare payers, providers, and consumers. You can follow the conversation on Twitter at hashtag payment matters and follow me at Jeff B. Uh, our guest today is Ryan Day. He's the president at HST, a multi plan company. And Ryan um, just for the benefit of our listeners, maybe a little little background about your your work experience, who you are, what what are you doing today as the president at HST? Yeah,
1: absolutely, Jeff. Appreciate you having appreciate you having us, and uh, look forward to discussions. Uh, to give you just a little bit of background, who we are, what we do, and what do we do at HST. So, you know, it's uh, it's interesting, right? We we look at it as a what we're doing today is just trying to provide transparency in the marketplace that doesn't like transparency. I think that's a really good way to put it. Uh, so a lot of our employers and members and everything that they're doing is trying to figure out a way what is the best price for this service when they're they're getting their medical care. Can they know the price ahead of time before they get medical care? Or does it always have to be after the fact? So really what we're addressing is an alternative to bringing transparency into the market uh, and making sure that, you know, the plan and its members are receiving a fair price uh, for healthcare at the end of the day at a 30,000 foot level. So being able to have all the tools and resources rather from a, a, member standpoint, from a plan standpoint and a provider, right? Giving them the tools too, to see like, well, how am I going to get paid? A lot of them don't even know that. So giving them that information. So once again, just, Everybody gets to see what's going on in the ecosystem, versus one person seeing what's going on in the ecosystem. So that's uh, that's that's how I define it today.
0: Yeah, um, and and you know that that's a you know a, I call it transparency. Has been a lot of a lot of focus on that. You know how how would you compare contrast that? And you know, for for some of our listeners who may not be too familiar about the nuances of of this, like. How would you contrast what you do today in terms of offering transparency to what exists today in the marketplace?
1: Yeah, no, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good question. The reason I say uh, it's a good question is because how we buy healthcare today, nobody asks about price. It's literally like you walk in with an American Express Black. Doesn't matter. We'll pay for it. It's great. But it's the only service I know we don't purchase that way. Like, I, I, I've i never seen someone buy a house that way. They don't ask the price, they're not really, they don't care what's under the hood, it's fine. They just, okay, great, I'll take it. I sign on the dotted line, two months later, oh, that house is now $20 million. like, well, wait a minute, no, I didn't expect that. That's not what I, I wanted. So, you know, the healthcare industry is just, everybody's been transformed that way, to operate that way. Like, don't ask questions about price, just get your services rendered, here we go. But you're starting to see now like cracks in that based on how much cost is now shifting to the membership. Like a lot of people talk about high deductible health plans. Well, that's great, but who's picking up all those dollars? Guess who's that, that, that backs it It's on, it's on the membership. So that's tough for the members. Now, like maybe that disincentivized them to get care because now these have these high deductible plans. Whereas if we're incentivizing them to get care, Maybe it helps, you know, keep the, the healthcare costs down. So I think those are just some of the examples I'd kind of point to uh, when you look at how healthcare is bought today. Like you're not supposed to question a doctor at the end of the day. And the problem is is you can see the stats that lay out there, whether it's you know, back surgeries, the, the success rate of back surgeries less than 35%. So why do we do so many spinal fusions and back surgeries? So is there other ways to be able to look at, you know, maybe maintaining your health that are, you know, less invasive to start? Could you do physical therapy? Could you do other alternatives before you then have to go to surgery? How do you know surgery is the best option? Did you get a second opinion or did you just trust the doctor in their first word? Because, I I mean, there's real world stories where, you know, I had this to a friend recently has cancer of the throat. Goes to one hospital, one doctor, I won't name him, and very reputable. They're like, hey, we're going to cut out your jaw, we're going to cut out half your tongue, and your hair is going to fall out, your teeth, and all this stuff. And it's like, whoa, this is life-changing. Gets a second opinion. The first doctor was not excited that he was getting a second opinion at all. Not even, like, felt very disrespected that he was even going to consider getting a second opinion. Gets a second opinion for a... Hospital that this is what they do. They specialize in it. They do hundreds of these And they're like, oh, we're not going to do any of that. You won't lose your hair You are going to keep your teeth everything you're good to go. Here's what we're going to do and here's the plan of action Completely different but had that person not asked those questions Well, then life could have been very different at that
0: point Question here for you as, and I kind of want to double down on what you said about the patients slash members that are getting the care from those providers at the hospital, and uh, you know, I, th- I think there's been initiatives out there tied to CMS mandating hospital transparency, and even bringing it down to how does actually a provider actually integrate that into the systems. So I call it the last mile integration or the last mile solution that's presented to the patient slash member. How you know, I've, I've heard a lot of challenges. Heard a lot of you know you know vendors and, and and people have talked about this how do you how do you approach that last mile journey of getting healthcare, and and how do you address that
1: yeah no that's um the, it, and think about it it's not like standardized it's not like cms came out and said hey by the way we want you to lay it out like this and put it all nice and neat so we all can see it and we can all compare these hospitals together They left it to everybody's own devices to be like, hey, you need to provide this data, and however you provide it, however anybody can get to it. And so everybody, all the different hospitals put it out different ways, right? So it's it's not easy for a member then to go grab and look, and it's not like it sits on the front of the page on a website to say, hey, look at me. Can you look up pricing over here? It's usually buried like 30 pages down and like under fine print, click here, and then i will take you somewhere. And I just, there's no, there's no teeth to it at the end of the day. Like, yeah, one hospital has gotten, you know, penalized for not complying, but what about all the other hospitals that aren't complying? But, you know, all the employers have to comply with, you know, the No Surprises Act and all that fun stuff. So it's just, it's just, it's just two different realms of how that is. And when you look at it from a member's perspective there, it's always just left to the member. Literally, everything gets pushed
0: to them. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and this notion of you know the the members in control of healthcare, one one of the constituents as part of this is the employers, right? And and we hear in many ways overall the macro industry, the employers are actually, you know, trying to manage their own costs, premiums are going up for, for these members, and how do you manage those healthcare costs? What what you know how do you approach that situation and, and, and how costs are managed both on the employer side? as well as the member and what's happening there.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a good question. And it's I think it's the whole like antithesis of like the foundation of HST. Like we're a disruptor in the marketplace. We don't we don't buy healthcare the same way you buy healthcare today. And to your point, like you have employers looking to to you know, they've got our business to run. They've got people to take care of. They've got customers too. And with healthcare eating up so much of you know their expense, like what can I do differently? They've done the traditional routes uh, in the market today, but how do I how do I buy healthcare differently? And that's you know that's where we kind of come into play. We're saying okay, if we were to maybe just have physicians in a potential network, and then no network for facilities, and we're going to reimburse per our Medicare plus, and here's why we're doing it. Because here are the dollars at stake as far as savings. What does that look like to you? What's the appetite? What's your risk? What, how do you want this to work? And I mean, there's plenty of employers we could reference where it's been an absolute success, but they have the right mindset going into it. They're not forced going into this like, oh, I have to do this. It's like, no, we know where healthcare is going. We've seen it in the past and what's happened. It just goes in one direction and it's up. So why are employers that are on a reference pricing model like ours, why are they able to shift a lot of the savings back to the membership? Uh, because they're not spending as many dollars on the medical side. So you could just see uh, where, you know, maybe they're lowering deductibles or reducing copays and things like that. That's normally or contributions. I think that's the hardest hitting one is contributions because it's affecting the members. What they're pulling out of their pocket uh, through their paychecks, like that's a really big one. But even still, when they do go to those those uh, providers, if I have one provider where under you know a traditional plan I'm paying a thousand dollars, but then under a reference pricing plan I'm paying two hundred and fifty dollars, my dollars as a member are going farther as well, and I'm saving money because someone's looking out for me too. So that's I mean it's a whole waterfall impact uh, to both
0: the plan and and its membership. And, and, um, you know, that's interesting here as, as you, you know, part of this is, I think part of the equation as you've alluded to is, is the cost side. And I think it's been in the industry for, for a long time, which is cost and quality. Right. Mm -hmm. And, And so, you know, what, what's your viewpoint here in terms of, well, if I'm, if I'm paying $250 here or, you know, this provider is, you know, it's $1,000 and whatnot. How do, you, how do you balance that out in terms of the cost and quality uh, results?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that we see from a, you know, oh gosh, I think consumers are trained to be like, the higher the price, uh, the better the quality. And there couldn't be, that couldn't be further from the truth. Usually the higher the price, the worse the quality. And don't take my word for it. You and I live in a state called California that did this. And I, I forget the study, if it was like Cal CalPRIG, uh, they had done a study and that's what they found, like a higher the price, the worse the quality. And so it's it's funny that you talk about quality because price is one component. It really is like, that's great. We can adjust the price. We can set it where it's a, a fair price for everybody. Um, but at the end of the day, how good's the quality? How many people literally ask their doctors like, Hey, I'm gonna get a spinal fusion. This could really impact my life. How many have you done and what's your success rate? And do you have a lot of people that you have to come back and do readmissions or like no one wants to ask those questions and go find that data? Good luck. It's so it's you know, I think one of the big things we need to start overcoming is well, for when people start to choose, like consumers, like real consumers, we get to choose who our doctors are um, on a lot of this stuff saying, okay, I'm going to pick Doc Jones because they've done 150 uh, spinal fusions and you can see the quality rating. And I'm not talking about a popularity contest. I'm talking about outcomes. You know, what were their outcomes? And you can see their outcomes were fantastic. So hence, they they can command maybe a different price versus somebody else who's done one and that one that they did do, well, it didn't go so successfully. Like you would choose differently as a member. You just would. Um, so I think that's where the market has to move to, but there's a lot of um forces in the market that don't want that either. Because once we start choosing doctors and hospitals that are better than others, you know, there may be some that don't make it at the end of the day. But that's okay. Like that's what a, that's what a that's what consumerism does. Or then that provider then changes and says, Okay, I gotta, I've gotta up my game. I I really need to start looking into this, doing a little bit more research. Maybe look at some new techniques. So I mean, I think there's just a lot of positive that, that can come out of it.
0: And and uh, you know, as as I think about this, which is let's let's say you have the data to to drive that cost and quality equation. Um I'm interested in your point of view, which is how do you drive the right consumer engagement to say, I am going to go shop for healthcare, or I'm going to go do and go to the site to figure out what's best for my health needs. Um, I, you know, I, I I joke when I go to some of these conferences. There's there's probably a thousand apps or probably mm-hmm. ten thousand apps that are being sold on the showroom floor here, and no one has the time and energy to download everyone to figure out what they want. Is you know, it's like it's like getting that consumer, getting that member, getting that patient. Whatever the case is how do you engage them how do you make sure it's relevant how do you ensure that they're actually using it to the best of their their abilities to drive their their own healthcare
1: yeah i mean you hit it right on the head right you go to these conferences and there's 10,000 apps like oh my gosh how can you how can you download all these apps on your phone and what am i supposed to use and then engagements maybe 1% if you're lucky and so you start to look at all of that including ours like when we looked at our app too like why do people want to come here how do we engage them Now, I think we get more engagement than the average bear, just because we're a little disruptive. There's no safety blanket of a network on the facilities typically. So members are more engaged to look on where should I go so I don't get a balance bill. Um, Others are incentivized. I see a lot of plans will incentivize depending on where you're going. Hey, member, if you engage in your healthcare, i.e., you're going to an HST-accepting provider, meaning you've looked things up, And hey, maybe it's a different deductible. If you decide you don't want to look it up and you can't be bothered, okay, well, you're going to have another deductible compared to a member who's going to be engaged. And it's always that constant push-pull of how do you engage the members? How do you keep them coming back? It's like I look at like the Uber app. I only use that app when I need to find a car. How else am I engaged there? I don't use it for the food. It's the same thing with the, your 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 medical apps. You only use it when you need to. So, how do you engage these people to constantly give them information uh, where they are, you know, thinking about uh, managing their healthcare, not when like something's catastrophic? Like, how do you get ahead of, you know, the health healthcare conundrum? Like, actually, I should get a physical. You know, so it's it's doing those type of things, and there's all sorts of programs from incentivizing. I think that's the biggest one, is people really will move for the dollars. I think I hate to say it, that's literally what it comes down to, to be incentivized.
0: No, it's interesting. Um, And so if if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Payment Matters, I'm joined by Ryan Day, president of HST, a multi-plan company, and we're really discussing really how about transparency and engaging uh, with these consumers here. So what one of the things I wanted to ask you is as as I'm talking about as, as I'm listening to you, which is um, you know, how do you how do you drive like a lot of this is actually a behavior change even with providers? So when when you look at your company and, and the work you're doing across the healthcare spectrum and being a disruptor, how do you engage with those providers? How how do you drive change if there are costs and quality, if there is they want to lean in and actually figure out what, what works best for um, the employers or the members or the consumers. How, how do you engage those providers in a constructive manner that benefits, benefits them, but also benefits the entire industry?
1: Yeah. With, with providers, you have to engage them. I think that's a, it's a great point. You said it leaning in, like, I'd really hone in on that, you know, those words because you have the providers and the, you know, different health systems that that's exactly what they're doing, leaning in, you know, really trying to manage care, you know, really focusing on medicine, forget what price and all that and all that stuff, but really trying to take care of the member and the patient. Like that's, that's, that's what it's all about. Um, so giving them the same tools though. Right. So people always think like, it's oh this big, bad, you know, providers, big, bad insurer. Um, it really isn't that it's, you know on the provider side like we have a lot of hospital clients like they use HST for their own employees and they want to make sure their employees are receiving a fair price uh but at the same time they want to make sure that their competitors like they're getting something but not something that's too um inflated right if i if i use that word and so when we start looking to engage them we got to give them the tools too
0: yeah and and one thing I want to want to touch upon is is you know as I think it through this is that you know you're you're balancing a lot of constituents you have the member you have the mm-hmm. provider the employers it's 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 quite a bit of a balancing act <laughs> that's what I what I think through this here you know yeah, it's what's so your, true yeah. it's so true yeah. <laughs> right how how do you balance all the various players there and and from your perspective. Where where do you spend the most time and focus from a um, from your perspective to, to drive that disruption?
1: It really comes down to education. We spend a ton of time on education communication since we are disruptive uh, a, a disruptive model. Let's put it that way. We want to make sure that you know when we are communicating, um, it does you know get the message across. And it's not like a one and done and set it and forget it. Like you've got to constantly communicate. This is different. But then also communicating with the provider market. Um, So not only the membership and the employers, so they understand what's happening. But then the providers communicating with them of like, hey, what is this? How does it work? How was I paid? You know, making sure all the components um, are being done correctly and that everybody has the same expectations because at the end of the day we all want the same thing we want the member to get treated we want them to get the right care uh but i think we're now adding at the right price the right outcomes those are the two pieces that we're addressing now is looking at those pieces
0: got it yeah and and um you know that makes sense here as as you look at the outcomes and and structure one one of the things i, w- I want to go back to which is you're talking about employers taking more ownership and control of their healthcare expensive expenses and working directly or kind of trying to influence and working with those providers directly how how does that all work out like where where do you see that headed from your eyes in terms of employers you know managing that expenses being you know ensuring that ensuring their own employees how do you help in that scenario
1: yeah, no, absolutely. So for from our perspective, we see that being very popular. Cause you can see care. Most people are going to buy care in their their local market. Now, is that the right or wrong answer? Depends. If it's more routine, sure, probably the right answer to stay local. But is that the best answer if you have something that's a little bit more complicated, where the best person may, you know, be sitting out of state, another hospital that does this day in and day out? Maybe. And so, when you start to look at you know what we call direct to employer, you're seeing a lot of that now, like I'm going to make a deal with this hospital and make sure my members are incentivized to go here because I know they're going to get the right care at the right price, but there's a lot of partnerships those hospitals have and people they know as well that they can refer you know the membership to should it be something out of their wheelhouse and so you're starting to see a lot of that um. More relationship building between the employer <clears throat> and the health systems and providers because it's, yeah, I hate to say it, but you're disintermediating the payer, and you know you're having the employers start talking to the health systems and then the health systems are like, hey, what about if we put some of our doctors? They can you can get all your physicals here. We'll have a doctor here. We'll have a, a seminar. They're just they're more creative thinking that way. Um, how are you including them so that they're, they're looking out? You have people doing clinics uh, for the large employers, right? They'll do a lot of them will do clinics staffed by doctors up there. So it's real access. They don't have to wait. And once again, they're trying to make sure that they can capture anything ahead of time. So it's not catastrophic plus start to incentivize. So just interesting to see, see how the market
0: evolves. Yeah. So I, you know, as we, uh, to the end of this podcast I'm gonna um, you know I always ask my guests this point question which is if if you had a magic pill uh, for this industry you could do anything um, and uh, there's there's nothing there's nothing holding you back and snap of fingers, this would change overnight. What would that be? what, what what's that magic pill that the healthcare industry needs? I think the magic pill that healthcare
1: needs is transparency and quality, and people being paid on that. <clears throat> Separating people out, how good are they at what they do? That makes a huge difference. But then, you know, what's the back end consequences? If you were to eliminate all balanced billing because members don't know the price ahead of time, all of a sudden the, the game changes because now you're buying on price and quality, and people got to compete for the business. It's no longer. Oh, I can charge whatever I want because I've got a monopoly. There's no other game in town or nobody knows the price. So here we go. Not the case. Like if you start to have to compete for business, well, you're going to have to start getting creative. And we see it all the time in, in any other industry that operates this way. Um, whether it's Microsoft or Apple, whoever it may be, it's not like they can charge you $100,000 for a laptop. I can go buy a Dell and it's going to be cheaper. I can buy $500. So. Once again, it keep it helps keep the market in check. It's like those checks and balances, but it's done in a competitive landscape. So that's what I, I would look at. It is if you had price and quality, and people were buying healthcare that way, and people were incentivized that way, and providers are paid for their better outcomes. You'd have a really cool system uh, that could really address healthcare. And it's not like we don't spend a lot on healthcare. I spend the most, so it'd be great if we could drop that down
0: um, and spend it in another area. Awesome. Um, and, and I want to say that these are the payment matters that we're tackling today. Thank you to my guest, Ryan Day, for joining me today. And, Ryan, where can our listeners go to learn more about you and your company?
1: Oh, I appreciate you, um, uh, appreciate you having us. And, you know, one of the things uh, members can go to, or if they're interested, is uh, our website, hstechnology.com. That's a great way to find out uh, and get information. And then if if they need more, then we've got to
0: contact us as well. They can get in touch with us. Awesome. And it sounds like like a great work. And and Ryan, it was great having you on today. Appreciate you having us. Yeah. And uh, thank you to all of you for listening in. Remember that you can listen in to this episode weekdays at 4.30 a.m., 12.30 p.m., and 8.30 p.m. Eastern. You can also listen to this on Apple Podcasts and Google Play Music or just say Alexa play Healthcare Now Radio. If you have a comment about the show, follow hashtag paymentmatters or connect with me on Twitter at Jeff B. Lin. You can learn more about the show at healthcarenowradio.com or at Until next time, I'm Jeff Lynn.